Hallelujah. I ask you to turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 23. We bless you, Father. We give you all the praise and glory. This morning's title is real interesting. It's, the, title's, the title is, It's Time to Vomit Up Deceitful Meats. <laughs> Somebody says, well, I'm interested in what, well, I don't know if I'm interested. <laughs> Proverbs 23, and of course, I will tell you before we even begin to read, if you know anything or are familiar with Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, you know that the first chapter, the Sol- Solomon, the writer, is inspired by God, is, tells you from the very beginning that these Proverbs are dark sayings. In other words, they're sayings that are to be interpreted out for not just the... the the essence of what is being said concerning the moment. These are, these are in, in truth, um, comparable to uh, the parables of Jesus. They're absolute truth. What is being spoken, obviously, is truth in itself, as in the natural academics of things, but also... Solomon lets us know from chapter 1, these are sayings that go beyond uh, the intent of the moment. They are to be interpreted. There are, there are sayings to be interpreted um, for life and the things concerning truth. So looking at verse 1 of chapter 23, it says, When thou sittest, sittest to eat with a ruler... Consider diligently what is before thee. Now, I'm going to take a little bit slow here to start with because these are important scriptures to understand, especially this being the foundation of our, of our subject this morning. It says, when thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee. What is before thee? Okay, he said right to start with that we're sitting down with a ruler. Now, this ruler could be this ruler could be not just somebody in a prestigious governmental place or somebody of hierarchy, but it can be someone that you give attention to. It can be somebody that you respect or somebody that you would listen to or a pastor or a teacher or someone in your life that you think has some um, spiritual knowledge or natural knowledge or something that that you would believe that you could sit down and gain from their knowledge. But he tells us right to start with to consider the moment, consider what is before thee. Okay, what's before me in this consideration is I'm about to engage with someone. I'm about to hear from someone, as we later see in these scriptures. But also, I'm about to be fed something. I'm about to receive something. I want to say right to start with, so that your mind doesn't go too far, although it could be applicable. I'm not trying to just talk about what we're hearing um, from the media and from false information, although that could be applicable to this as well. But the far more reaching, the far deeper that what has spawned all of that, what has caused America and the church is far more deeper than that. It's who we have listened to and what we have ate and what we have considered to be truth and what we have believed to be truth. 
um, for many, many decades without a spiritual revival, a revival of truth and a revival of the power of God. And he says in verse 2, he says in verse 2, and put a knife to thy throat if thou be a man given to appetite. In other words, he's saying at all, whatever it takes. Now that's kind of really, uh, you know, put a knife to your throat. <laughs> he's, it, seems, it sounds like he's exaggerating, but at the same time he's saying, do whatever is necessary if you're a person given to appetite. And again, he's not talking about necessarily uh, in the context of what is being given here, a gluttonous person. He's talking about if you are ready to be consumptuous, if you're ready to, if you will consume what is laid out before you without knowing and digesting it and receiving discernment for it, do whatever it is, hold your own self hostage if necessary to keep your own self and your emotions and your life and all of the things that God would put as roadblocks in front of you to say, no, wrong road, wrong path, wrong preacher, wrong church. Consider diligently what is being put in front of you. Put a knife to your throat if thou be a man given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties, for it describes them and says these dainties. What are dainties? Physically, I wouldn't know ex uh, necessarily how to describe those. It could be anything, but, but more importantly, Behind the scenes of this parable or this proverb is this. He says they are, <coughs> excuse me, they are deceitful meats. Or they are, you can use the word, deceptive meats. In other words, if you consume these things, they will bring a deception into your life. And so, excuse me. He's saying that if you consume these things, they will bring a deception into your life. He says, labor, verse 4, labor not to be rich. And it sounds like he's diverting here for just a moment to say something about um, something different other than the situation that we find ourselves in in our imagination that we're sitting at this table about ready to receive something from someone that now he's telling us, you better not trust everything that they're giving you. If you're a person that's real gullible, ready to receive, put a knife to your throat and say, <laughs> I'd, I'd almost rather take my own life than to receive the deceptive meat that's about to be given to me. He says this, and it sounds like he's diverting, but he's not diverting because he's going to go right back to it in just a moment. Labor not to be rich. In other words, don't let the deceitful things of this world steer you in a direction other than staying very focused on what you've been called to do, and that is God and follow God. <clears throat> labor not to be rich. It doesn't say it's wrong to be. It says labor not. In other words, don't let that be the whole source of your life's, life's desire. Cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as the eagle towards the heaven. In other words, whatever your desire is apart from God is very elusive and can be very vulnerable. It can be here and then it's gone. It's here and it's gone. If you put your, your, 
your hope in my satisfaction will be more. Even when people put their sat, you know, it's, it's, you should love, absolutely love your spouse beyond words. But when you replace them with Jesus, then, then you're subject to lose them. Because you, you, you've got to love him first, then loving him first causes you to be able to love them in the way that Christ would have you to love them. And it makes it for a very secure marriage. It says in verse 26, I mean, verse 6 of 23, Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye. So we're back at this table. Neither desire his dainty meats. We've never left the table. We're still here in this whole context. Don't desire his dainty meats. It told us in the earlier verse that these are deceitful meats. In other words, they have deception in them. For as he thinketh, look at this, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Not what, not what his words say. Not what he's telling you, not what he's telling you to make you feel like that we're on the same page. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he unto thee, but his heart's not with thee. In other words, let's enjoy the moment. We're together in this thing. Um, We're all on the same page. But the Bible says he's not on the same page with you. There is something in his heart that is far diverse. I was recently very troubled with speaking with a friend that has been a lifelong friend and it has a very prominent and powerful position in a certain uh, wing of the body of Christ. And I found out, and I wouldn't go into it very, very far because I knew what it meant, but I did have enough I had to say enough of where I was at so I could not leave the moment undone. But I found out that um, this born-again, spirit-filled man and I were at two absolutely different universes, two universes concerning um, where we believe this, the, 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 the election our stand, what we're supposed to be doing in this stand. And I knew then that it was also, that that conversation was also indicative of much of the body of Christ. Because much of the body of Christ believes and has believed that we're all like, we're all just one body. Listen, if you're born again, we do have the same spiritual DNA. I don't care if you speak in tongues, don't speak in tongues, believe in the gifts, don't believe in the gifts in that sense the word have not been taught. Um, That is a truth. But the mindset of the church is so diverse. There's two churches inside of this church and they're living in two different universes. And where much of the church is at is they are eating deceitful meats and they are digesting deceitful meats and they believe because you are part of the body and because you've always hung together and thought like well God's going to do um, you may have even said there's something coming wonderful in the earth we call it revival other people will call it kingdom um, renewals or restorations in the God coming yes the Lord is coming back I understand that but but prior to that there is going to be prophetically there is going to be a great outpouring. 
It was very apparent we were living in two different, absolutely different universes and how that we looked at our president, how we respected our president, and how we respected um, and looked at the fight for America at the present tense. It says this in verse 27 again, or verse 7, I'm sorry, verse 20, or chapter 23, verse 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he, but his heart is not with thee. Now, this can be a preacher, this can be a friend, this can be anybody that you respect. It could be a number of different things. The morsel, the morsel, what morsel? The morsel of the de deceitful meat, which thou hast eaten, shalt thou vomit up and lose thy sweet words. In other words, if you have taken on pretentious words or words that are not truth, when you are reproved of the Lord. See, it's better to just stay in a place where you're always, your mindset is always clear, but much of the body is, have, has taken on so much deceitful meat, I would call them poison, that the Holy Spirit is coming in and he is, by his reproving of truth, the word says here, you will vomit up your deceitful meat. Your words that you thought were harmonious words and beautiful words. He says, speak not in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of the words, or, or of the wisdom of thy words. Do you have a practical application for this? Probably, but maybe shallow for many people. Uh, the people that you're trying to correct on Facebook, don't worry about it. You're not going to get it done. In other words, he's saying, it's not going to, you're not going to affect them. Remove not the old landmarks and enter not into the fields of the fatherless. This kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about don't let, if the foundations be destroyed, there are certain traditions and norms that must be kept for the, the integrity of the church and for your walk with Christ. For last verse in this, for their redeemer is mighty, he shall plead their cause with them. This is a time uh, of distinction. You're hearing what I'm saying right now as I've read this. This is a time of distinction. I would call it great distinction in the body of Christ like never before. And it's really for the purpose of revival. It really is. It's for the purpose of revival. Um, the present hour is a test. It's a test. By the way, this is a test. So it'd be really good for you, since you know it's a test, to wind up on when this is all settled. When it's all settled, it'd be really good for you to wind up on the right side of the test. Well, what if it doesn't go like your hope? I'm still going to wind up on the right side because I'm, I'm fighting first and foremost for revival then out of that posture of fighting for revival, no matter who wins, who loses, and then I'm, I'm setting my affection on Christ to know that no matter what, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, I can repeat that on and on and on, and we stay in revival. The present hour is a test. It's a test from heaven to prove the hearts of men, both in and outside of the church. It's really, you might as well, you, you'll enjoy this, and you need to, you need to be able to turn in your Bibles. Turn to with me to 1 Kings or 2 Kings. 
2 Kings chapter 10. Now, I'll tell you this, and we've got several scriptures to turn to, but it's, it's good for us to come to church and read our Bibles. <laughs> or your smart device or whatever you're looking on. Hallelujah. I'm telling you this, that again, I'll repeat, this is a proving time. It's a test time. I would say this, this is a, to put it in modern day vernacular, this is a sting operation by God. It really is. To see where everybody's at. You thought, you thought they were, we're, all t- we're talking turkey, right? You know, we have been for years. We're talking, we know with the same. And then all of a sudden, you see where men's hearts are at. Now, why is that important? It's not important that we condemn them, that we malign them. This guy's still going to be my friend. I'm still going to love him. But here's the deal. In this we have to understand if we are going to walk straight forward into this thing called revival, what we have to understand is that there's much of the church that is going to be invited by God, by His Spirit, to cross over into a place of standing in truth and in righteousness. If they say, "Mm, no, don't want to, and I'm telling you, there's still many, 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 many megachurch pastors and intermediate pastors that after COVID-19, after all of the chaos and everything that's happened in our nation and even our election are just really still ready. In fact, they're kind of, whoo, they're kind of, re- they're, they're, they're glad it's all over. Let's just go back to status quo because their hearts are not changed. If in all this you have not said, Lord, forgive our nation and forgive me for anything less than living a life of prayer and praying that things change, here's a sting operation. Look at ver- this. I'll tell you this. This man, Jehu, Jehu, is, uh, he's not a perfect man. But he, he, do, he is temporarily used by God. In fact, he goes on after this not to do some really nice things. But Jehu is the same guy that destroys Jezebel. Okay? He gets rid of her, and that was good. And he gets rid of all her you know, entourage of prophets and all those kinds of things. But here, once he is coronated king of Israel, or once he's introduced, Jehu gathered all, this is uh, chapter, 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 18, and Jehu uh, gathered all the people together, and he said unto them, Ahab, you know, Ahab's Jezebel's husband, you know, and wicked Ahab, he said, Ahab served Baal a little, but Jehu shall serve him much. In other words, Ahab was a wicked king, and he served Baal. You know, Baal's the false god of the day. He served Baal a little bit, but I want to tell everybody, I am going to serve Baal with all my heart. I am going to... You, Ahab was nothing compared to the way that I'm going to serve Baal. I love this. 
And it says, therefore, call me, he says unto all the leaders, call me all the prophets of Baal and all his servants and all his priests and let none be wanting. For I have a great sacrifice to do to Baal. Whosoever shall, not be, her, shall be wanting, he shall not live. In other words, you better show up. This is, this is mandated. But Jehu did it subtly to the intent that he might destroy the worshipers of Baal. And Jehu said, proclaim a solemn assembly for Baal. And they proclaimed it. And Jehu sent throughout all Israel. And all the worshipers of Baal came, so that there was not a man left that came. And they came into the house of Baal, and the house of Baal was full. It was full from one end to the other. I mean, it was a packed house that day. Packed house. And he said unto them that were over the vestry, that's the vestry is the wardrobe, bring forth uh, vestments or garments for all the worshipers of Baal. And he brought them forth vestments. In other words, he told them, I want everybody to put this on. Put these garments on. <laughs> they, should have, they should have known something when they're putting them on and they've got a big target. <laughs> they should have said, oh, what? No, no, no. I just, you all look pretty in those. You look really good. You know, I, I put all these garments together so we could all match you know matching garments you all look the same you're worshipers of Baal well thank you Jehu you just really think so much of us <laughs> why do they have these big circles <laughs> oh don't worry about that it's nothing it's nothing <laughs> Jehu said bring forth these vest, uh, vest, vestments for all the worshipers and Jehu went verse 23 Jehonadab and Rabak, Rebab, uh, Cobb, Cobb, into the house of Baal, and said unto the worshipers of Baal, Search and look that there be here with you none of the servants of the Lord, but the worshipers of Baal only. And when they had went into offer, sacrifice, Sacrifices and burnt offerings, Jehu appointed fourscore men without, outside of the building or the church, and said, the temple, if any of these men whom I have brought into your hands escape, he that letteth him go, his life shall be for the life of him. In other words, if any of these guys escape, you're going to answer for it. You're going to die. And it came to pass as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offerings that Jehu said unto the guard and to the captains, go in and slay, kill every one of them, let none of them come forth. And they smote them with the edge of the sword, and the, and the guards and the captains cast them out and went to the city of the house of Baal. And they brought forth the images out of the house of Baal and burned them, and they break down the images of Baal and break down the house of Baal and made it a draught house unto this day. Draught houses where you put waste, okay? What are you telling us here, Pastor? I'm telling you this. This is not implications about that people should die and those kinds of things. If you, understand, if you think that, then you're, you're in way left field. I'm talking about this is a sting operation like Jehu had in the sense that he 
convinced him, oh, come, I want to see all, I'm, I'm a worshiper. And he tricked him. He got him in there, and then he said, kill every single one of them. Don't let one of them escape. It was a sting operation. There's a sting operation. Listen, God already knows everything. He already sees the hearts of men. It's not a sting operation for man, or for God. It's a sting operation in the day and hour we live in. So you can say, wait a minute. I've been following that pastor for a long time. Why is he not willing to fight? Why is he not willing to instruct his congregation in the right way? Why is my friend that I thought was really, really on fire for God, why are they really so complacent and willing to take such a universal um, worldview? Preachers and sheep that never had your heart and still are unrepentant. You know, they're, they're still not repenting. It's crucial in maintaining our first spiritual, I want to say this again, I have to keep saying this because it's not only part of the prophecy that the Lord gave us concerning not conceding, but it's also part of everything that we are around here and everything that is truth in the body of Christ. It is crucial in maintaining our first spiritual objective. What's our spir first spiritual objective? Revival. Revival. That is to receive the spiritual outpouring in the earth called revival. It is from this objective and authority that God desires to save our nation that was, desi that was designed or put into effect over 400 years ago when these men came and stepped off of these boats and proclaimed this continent to be given over to God. It's so important um, that we realize and walk in our first objective because it's out of that authority that we get things done. To believe, to believe that the timing and relationship with each other, the revival or let's say the election, because that's on, the, on our hearts a lot right now in our minds, to believe that the timing and relationship with each other are devoid from one another is simply not to understand the hour that we live in. They're not devoid of each other. It's just that it is vital to understand which comes first. That's what's important. Which comes first in the priority and how we can live. We can live without the other. One can live without the other. But it's God's absolute best that both happen. It's God's absolute best. The deep state of the church has been covered up for decades by men who are not pastors they may have been called, but they're not living out their life as pastors or teachers or leaders in the body of Christ. And I have no vendetta against anyone this morning. I'm just talking to you about why we are where we're at, why America is at where it's at. The deep state of the church has been covered up for decades by men who are not pastors, but are hirelings. Remember what Jesus said in John 10, hirelings will run. They'll flee. They don't, they don't have a fight in them. They're hirelings, hirelings appearing as pastors, pastoring thousands and having huge media ministries, but that doesn't val validate them. And not only, they're just not only one, the ones that have the mega, I don't have any, anything against that. I mean, it, there, there are probably mega churches that are wonderful too. 
and there's the intermediate. It doesn't matter the size. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that um, they have violated their place and their position by not teaching their people righteousness and how to stand in the day and hour that we live in. Men who have not taught their congregation true biblical grace have produced Christians who are so willing, they're so willing presently to lay down and accept what Satan is trying to do with this nation without putting up a fight of biblical proportions. They're just so, why? Why do we see this among the church people? Because the pastors and the teachers have been the ones that have, uh, have taught their people that way. These men which are pastors and leaders are willing to concede and live harmoniously. Now listen to this. Now this is, a, this is a spirit that's across our land right now. There are those that are fighting in the spirit. And again, can I underscore for you so that there's never ever any mystique in your mind? Are you talking about rallying to a point where go out with guns and fight? I'm, I'm talking about fighting in the spirit. I'm talking about praying in the spirit. I'm talking about speaking words into the atmosphere that bring about a change. These men, which are pastors and leaders, are willing to concede and live harmoniously with the wicked agendas of the left as long as it does not interrupt their lifestyle and disrupt their cash flow. As long as that they can have their mega churches without disrupting their finances, their present tense sounds like they're... And you might hear these men, and this is, again, what I tell you, what I started out in Proverbs 23, it's deceitful meats, it's dainty words, because their words might sound like words from heaven. Let's learn to work with these we disagree with, with Christian love. Now, doesn't that, that sounds correct. It sounds like, I mean, wouldn't Jesus want you to, their sweet words concerning peace and love and the love of God for the sinner is not coming. It's not coming from the power of the gospel to see the world evangelized. To see the world evangelized with a born-again experience, but rather it's a consenting through a weakness in their own ability to stand against the flesh and the world. Therefore, their words are dainty words or deceitful words. They can sound so Christianese, so Christ-like, they can sound so pious as if they are on the same page with Christ and where the church should be going. But their, their heart is not with us. Anyone who eats their words will also vomit them up again if and when they are reproved by the Holy Ghost or by the Holy Spirit. We say, Something's, I'm sick. What are you sick? Well, you, who, who, wait a minute. I'm, I'm going to do a spiritual, sp, spiritual check on you right now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do some uh, a, a spiritual physical. Why are you uh, spiritually? Why are you nauseated? Well, I'm hearing the truth, but I feel like throwing up. The truth is, it's the Pepto-Bismol or something. It's trying to get down there. You've ate a lot of dainty words. And you, the only way that you're going to get, you're going to have to vomit this up, up. And I'm not talking physically. I'm talking about you've got to walk away and say, wait a minute. 
I've heard a lot of Christianese. Let's just be really sweet. Not fight. Let's not separate families. Let's not separate churches. Man, the family is the most important thing in the world. Unity in the church is the most important. But unity cannot be, it, it cannot be bought by placating or giving over to sin and the deceitfulness that is being taught in the church by so many Christian leaders. As I said, when the dust settles, <coughs> make sure that you're standing on the right side here. Okay. Can we lose? You can never lose. Not, not the kingdom that we're in. This kingdom doesn't come from this earth. It can't be voted in or out. Hallelujah. Now let me tell you, <coughs> lest you are one of the Christians that would bury his head in the sand and say, it's really not really going to get as bad if the other side is put into office. It's really, it, it can't get nearly as bad as people are projecting or, Pastor, you're just trying to scare us or other voices have tried to scare us. Let me tell you a little bit about what a Biden-Harris administration would look like. Let me just, let me just use some, uh, 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 some practical experience just for a moment. <clears throat> you might not believe this, and I can't prove it. <laughs> but it's just like, just over the last two or three weeks, it seems like Satan's like a, a cat, not Terry's cat. <laughs> <laughs> and it's postured, it's like, it's postured ready to jump and to spring into action more perversion. How do you, how do you regulate, is it because you just don't want this to take place and you're just saying it's going to, no, listen, <clears throat> Candy and I have kind of regressed and regressed and regressed in our TV watching over the last couple of years to where it's hard to find anything that we watch at all. <clears throat> Excuse me again. We kind of caved, all, we went all the way back into our cave to kind of just watching Hallmark Channel. You thought, oh, wow. But over the last couple of weeks, it has escalated like I can't tell you how many times. And it's just like Satan has got a cue from hell. Or, or Satan has cued in all of his demons. Now, obviously, many of these shows had to be already pre-recorded, But the commercials, it's just like they've jumped into overdrive showing homosexual after homosexual commercials. And it's no longer, it's no longer in your windows. It's way past in your windows. <clears throat> I was in the living room a few days ago, and, I, you know, one of our granddaughters, <clears throat> our nine-year-old was in there, and Nana had on Hallmark, I guess, and it was a nice movie they were watching because we don't watch bad movies. And it was just kind of a good the worst thing in most of those was they get a kiss at the end. Okay, so that's, whoa, you know. And it never shows any, but right in the middle of it, right in the middle of it, 
and Nana's not there, but me and Aubrey are watching, and right in the middle of it, a commercial, and I see this, uh, I see this black man putting on, you know, I'm going to mock you ladies, I'm sorry, you tighten your lips and you put your lipstick on. I'm not mocking you, I'm just trying to imitate you. I don't put lipstick on. <laughs> this man's, and I'm thinking, he's putting on this bright red lipstick, and I'm thinking, why is he, what? And Aubrey's like, <laughs> only to dress himself and head out and fall in the arms of his lover, his gay lover. And I said, that's it, that's it. Tired of all this junk. And it's escalated at the, it's like Satan is, I watched something a few days ago on the Victory Channel, Kenneth Copeland's, and Mario Morello was on there with some other people, and they showed a clip. This is not something, it wasn't an, it wasn't an enactment, it was an actual thing that's current, present tense. <coughs> and it showed, um, and they said, this is where we're at, and this is what will escalate incredibly under this next administration if it's allowed to come into fruition. And they showed a video of, it reminded me as much as I can possibly say of the daycare where my daughter Davy works. It looked just like, it wasn't, it looked just like their main auditorium. She works at a, at a daycare, I won't call the name, <coughs> in Naples, and they have a main auditorium, which is a church. And it looked just like that main auditorium. And they had um, a room full of people, men and women, and they were, uh, there was a woman on stage, and they were ushering um, children and mothers up on stage. And the mother, was up on, the mother was up on stage with her, she comes up with one on her hip, a little child on her hip, and she has her, she's, she's towing, she's towing a little, probably four, maybe five, handsome little guy. And he's, he comes up, and you know, he's kind of like bashful, handsome, but you can tell he's just a handsome little boy. And she's, so this whole meeting is for this purpose. It's, it's, a, 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 it's a reorientation. So she says, and the lady, the, the, the host is like, come on, buddy, or doesn't say buddy, but says, uh, says, okay, it's your turn now, it's your turn. And he's standing there, you know, real bashful with his mom. But he's just the cutest little boy you ever seen. And she's got him. And she goes, oh, go ahead, honey. Tell him. Tell him. Tell him. And, and he says, I don't want to. But she goes, no, go ahead. You can do it. And he goes, he goes um, well, um, I'm a girl. And, um, and, 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 and I, I'm a I'm. I'm just, I wanted everybody to know that I'm a girl. Now, he's a, he's a little boy, and his mom has shown him off and has convinced him that he can be whatever he wants to be. And through her, you could tell she was, see, all the adults in that room that are conceding to, and so the woman who's the moderator gives him pink, a pink bouquet and says, 
something cultish, but it sounds real religious. We bless you. We bless you. And um, we congratulate you. This little four-year-old or five-year-old, he doesn't know what he's doing. But he's been so encouraged to say he's a girl. And then um, they make the announcement, little Joey or whatever his name was, uh, would like for you, for all of you now to only... Um, speak to him in these personal certain pronouns and not to violate now what he um, considers himself to be. This is the absolute epitome of perversion. It, that kind of stuff um, should turn your stomach. It should make you sick. It should make you say, my God, um, we're coming to a society. Listen, there's never been a time where um, the two parties, the two political parties, were ever more polarized between light and darkness. Mr. Biden had his last, on his last campaign um, night, the, when he had his last campaign speech prior to just the day before the election, when he closed it up in Pennsylvania, his crescendo, his, go, his ending was part of um, bringing up on stage or having perform the performance. <clears throat> I won't say bring up on stage because you might have did it separated from them, but it was uh, Lady Gaga which is the epitome, the, uh, do I hate lady? Oh, no, I'm, I pray that she might be born again. She is the essence of perversion, a self-proclaimed uh, bisexual, and she is the epitome of what this political party, they're not, they're not trying to seductively say that's kind of where we're leaning. They're celebrating it. They're absolutely celebrating it. They're just saying, not only are we this way, and not only do we want to take your little ones and say to them, you can be whatever. Maybe you're really not a boy. Maybe you're not, or maybe you're not a girl. Would you like to be something different? Would you like to be? All of the adults in that room were going to hell. I can just tell you that. They were all going to hell. Unless they get born again, there's chances for them. But for them to be there participating in that, there were, that was a sting operation. All of them that were there, the babies were not. They're not accountable yet. But we're entering in a time like never before. I know revival is going to take place, not just because I have a witness. Wickedness has come to a place where it is absolutely now. When I saw the day that Fox, along with every other uh, news media declared uh, Mr. Biden the elect president. Immediately they had a cutaway and they were in the streets of Philadelphia and they were jeering and jumping and I thought to myself when I saw them and was shocked because they were like we've, we've killed the, to, to them our righteousness is wickedness. 
we've destroyed the head. We've cut off the head, and they were jeering and they were by the thousands. And my first thought was like, God, something to that extent, it, it, that must have been look, what it looked like as they danced naked around the calf of the, the golden calf, as they danced and jeered and said, and excuse me, but they were, it was as if they were giving the finger to God and saying, God, not only will you not rule over us anymore, we will celebrate our independence from you. This is an hour that we must fight like never before. <clears throat> These preachers, I will read this. You don't have to turn here. <clears throat> Jeremiah 23 says, Woe be unto you, the woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. I weep inside of myself because I know what's coming for many of these. Therefore saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people. Ye have scattered my flock and you've driven them away and you have not visited them. Behold, I will visit you with the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries whither I have driven them and will bring them again unto their folds and they shall be fruitful and increase and i will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed neither shall they be lacking saith the lord <clears throat> these men and teachers and women if they're in leadership they have taught them these They've taught them such a, a weakness to sin, and now there's no fight in them. There's no fight in them to resist Satan and his attempt to bring forth a tyrannical government. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, which was the, the great German pastor, theologian, and martyr, which was hanged during the Holocaust, at one of the concentration camps. He was a spy as well. Was asked in 1943, how is it possible, how is it possible for the church to sit back and let Hitler, they're talking about the church in Germany, and it was a powerful church at one time. How is it possible for the church to sit back and let Hitler seize absolute power? His firm answer was this, it was the teaching of cheap grace. That's what brought this into effect. Now, see, I, to me, this is really real because I have, I have walked the grounds. I've spent a whole day, probably maybe 12 hours. I don't know. It was from like morning till night. I don't know. <coughs> Walking the grounds of the concentration camps in Poland. I first visited Auschwitz and, and then, which was where all the thousands and thousands and thousands of um, Jewish people, uh, different, different minorities were not only exterminated, but they were tested and, and, uh, tested as far as, uh, physical torture to see how much they could stand before they would die. Different atrocities were performed on them. I got in a car and drove a few more miles to a much bigger facility called Birkenau 
<clears throat> and that's where, if you ever see the movies uh, where the train goes through the tunnel, that's the tunnel of death. That facility goes on. You can't even see the end of it. It's a, it's a, it's like maybe hundreds of acres, and it goes way into the distance. And it's all surrounded by barbed wire. <clears throat> I walked those grounds and different went into the different gas chambers and saw. And once you leave there, I don't care how up you are, you have to go home and pray because it's like it, it has a heaviness on it where millions, hundreds of thousands of people were exterminated at the hands of the Nazi regime. <clears throat> they asked Bonhoeffer, how? How did it? How did it? And you know what? Unbelievably, it, esc it didn't take centuries. It went boom like that. It was like just like a decade or two, it was just bam. For the Christian that thinks, oh, you're just making two, I would love to buy you a ticket to go and walk these places. He said this, Bonhoeffer said this, it was the teaching of cheap grace that brought us to this point. <clears throat> cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. The baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Why... The church is so confused on how to stand right now. Listen, I want to say this in preface. There's a lot of Christians who have a legitimate question about how, how should we be standing right now? And what if the other side goes in? Or what, a, and what, is, what is Christian love? And those are, those are legitimate. In fact, I had somebody call me this week who are, he's on the same page. If he, I'm sure he'll listen to this. I want him to understand I'm not talking about him. Um, He's very strong, and we're all, we, we compared notes, and he's all, all on the same page. We're all on the same page. But there is an overall question in the body of Christ, even for those who are standing real strong, about some questions uh, that are legitimate questions on how, how we make our stand and also love uh, the ones that we are um, standing so vehemently um, against in their platforms. <clears throat> here's, a, here's, a, here's a way I pose this or the question. We're making uh, the statement concerning the question. We're making such a strong stand not to allow this next administration. How does that um, go along with loving your enemies as Christ taught us? That's a legitimate question. How does that go along? First of all, let me say this. I will say this. Christ was not a pacifist in allowing evil if it could be stopped. Um, turn with me to Matthew chapter 24, verse 42. <clears throat> now, Jesus is talking about something spiritual. I'll give you this. I'll, I'll make sure you understand that I know. that Jesus is talking about something spiritual. He's talking about the coming of the Lord, the end time, and, and those kinds of things. But look at chapter 24, 
verse 42. Jesus said, Watch therefore, for you know not for what hour the Lord doth come. Know, but know this, that if the good man, that's the owner of the house, if the good man of the house had had knowledge or known in what watch or what hour the thief would come, he would have watched, that means he would have stayed up, and would not have suffered, that means allowed, his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Again, I will underscore, I understand that he's talking about per se, or more than per se, in all reality, in all truth, spiritual things. In other words, be ready spiritually because the Lord's coming back. But he uses, he validates, if, if, if you didn't want to validate this, Jesus, then don't use it. He validates that if the owner of the house, here's, here's how I'm trying to get this over to you about how be ready and watch. If the owner of the house would have known that the thief was coming, he would have stayed up and not allowed him to break in. Now, you've got to be some naive, somebody that lives in fairy tale land or with Mary Poppins or something to believe that you, if a thief is trying his best to get in, that you say, uh, sir, would you please, or ma'am, or what, I would not like for you to, to break in. He said you would not allow him suffer or allow him whatever it takes physical force if necessary okay <clears throat> hallelujah i've never had a never had a thought of, of, of actually really thinking about wanting to ever hurt anybody in that sense of word but dear heart listen <laughs> and I, if this bothers some of you that are watching me it's good that you learn now so you don't have to continue to waste your time. That man's contending for revival. He's, one, he's saying he gives his life praying and believing for people to be born again. Absolutely so. But as a hunter, my house is full of guns. And if my, somebody was breaking in to hurt, I mean, I, I knew for sure. Now, my stuff is not nearly as val valuable that's that's not that's not the but if somebody's going to hurt my hurt my wife or hurt my children they're going to do it at the cost of their own life they're choosing to take their life because i will not allow that to take place that's just not even a thought in my mind there's no conviction about well maybe you re need to reconsider that but the the indicativeness of a weak church has come about because of weak preachers and a weak teaching on how to stand against evil. Matthew 5.44 says this. I'll use this as an example because <clears throat> some people have legitimate questions. How are we supposed to love our enemies but also fight so hard that they are not established in our land? <clears throat> Matthew 5:44. you're right there in Matthew, so you can go to, over to the Sermon on the Mount. This, is, this would be a good one if somebody had an argument to say, I'm really not sure we're, we're supposed to be making this real strong stand, but aren't we supposed to be praying? Didn't Paul say to Timothy, pray for your leadership? Absolutely. We're going to pray for whoever goes into office. We sure will. 
But let's talk about what we should be praying for them. Matthew 5.44 says this, But I say unto you, love your enemies. We say, yes, sir. Bless them that curse you and do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. I'll read that again. These are the sayings of Christ. We absolutely hold them as the bedrock of our doctrine. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Now here's what I would ask with that concerning that truth. What prayer, what prayer are you to pray for your enemies who desire to destroy other people's lives and murder the innocent by the tens of millions? What blessing, let's define the prayer and let's define what blessing are you to ask for those who celebrate perversion and are intending on nationalizing it? So we, we need to pray a prayer. We need to do a blessing. The greatest blessing that an evil man can come to is to know the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's his blessing. An evil man coming to know Christ. The greatest mercy for them is for them to be stopped in their pursuit. That's the blessing. God, I'm asking for their sake as well as for our sake, stop them. Show them to be wrong. When you're being beat in a prison by your persecutor, you bless them, but you don't bless them that they continue on in their evil. You don't say, bless you. Bless you in your evil way. May God just pour out blessings on you. You pray that God stops them, that they have a Saul of Tarsus that turns them into a Paul the apostle and says, I'm wrong. <clears throat> you don't pray a blessing, a prayer of blessing over an evil man so that he can continue in his evil. How crazy is that? But rather that he's humbled and that he sees the truth of Jesus Christ. The prosperity of the wicked only causes them to be more emboldened. Proverbs, you don't have to turn there. Proverbs 1.32 says this, For the turning away of the simple shall slay them. And the prosperity or the promotion, in other words, the exaltation of fools shall destroy them. If they continue on in their way, unabated, they're only going to wind up in hell. Our blessing is not to say, I know that you're evil, but I just, I'm supposed to love you and we do love you. But here's my, here's my prayer for you. I pray for you that despitefully would use me. I pray that you're changed. I pray that you run right dead into something that stops you. <clears throat> Shouldn't we just pray for them and that be it and let the chips fall where they may? Some may say. Some may say that the example given below, and we're going to read a few examples as we close, get closer to closing <coughs> and turning to scripture. Some may say that the examples, <coughs> excuse me again, below deal primarily with the church 
And I would say yes, but the undeniable truth is that God does not deal with the wicked in or outside of the church that seek to corrupt in the same passive manner that has been taught by weak ministers of God. Now turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and of course you know this is a familiar scripture that we've, we've been to many, many times before in the past. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> I will say in what we're about to read, looking at verse 1, chapter 5, Paul did not pray, now get this, please hear me, Paul did not pray a prayer of blessing or, in, he's about to tell the church to do something, he did not pray a prayer of blessing like we think about when we hear and misconstrue the words of Jesus, like bless those, he did not pray a prayer of blessing for this man that he's about to give us instruction for. Paul did not pray a prayer of blessing or instruct the church to pray a prayer of blessing for the man in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Now let's look at verse 1. It is reported commonly that there's fornication among you, and such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And you're puffed up, in other words, they'd come to pride. And have not rather mourned that he which has done this deed might be taken away from you. Now, he had his father's wife. Hopefully, we understand that was his stepmother, okay? It says in verse 3, For verily, as absent in the body, but present in the spirit, have judged already. Paul says, I've already judged. I'm passing this along to you as though I were present concerning him that has done such uh, this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit, in other words, what I've taught you and in the essence of my doctrine and the sense of Paul, Paul would be pleased with this. When you've gathered together in my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit might be saved in the Lord's day. That is called judgment. That meant that the church was to deliberately say, you know, they didn't do anything physically to him. You're not supposed to go beat the guy up. But they, they together, or the leadership, was supposed to say, okay, this has gone on long enough. And this guy was not a, you, by the contextual value of this, you understand that the church was celebrating what he was doing. You've heard me say a, a few times, and I've got to clarify this. I, I really need to clarify this for some of you that might misconstrue this. You've heard me say, and I don't vaunt it as something that I'm proud of. I've never done it in 30-something years. But there was a leader among us at one time that was having a, an adulterous affair, and he was standing up front on a continual basis, acting as if he was where he should be with the Lord. I knew what was going on not long. I mean, I didn't let it go on long. He knew that I knew, and yet he would stand in the midst of us. I finally went to him, not very long into it, after I saw where he was going and that he would not repent, and told him, if you don't, you, you got two choices. You stop doing what you're doing, uh, or else I will expose you to the church. Now, here's, here's, here's where people get mixed up. I don't care. I don't care if a hundred 
men come to church, sit in the back, who are having all, I, I, I'm not a police force. I don't care what they're doing. I don't care if there's a, a hundred men come in here. That's where sinners are going to come in. They're going to be having all kind of junk in their life. I, don't, I want them to come in here and get born again. I'm not going to go around and start telling people, I'm going to expose you to, if, you don't ha- if you don't get this straightened out. I, I, that's, that's not the, those guys can come in, and they can sit in the back, and eventually they're going to get saved. I'll never say anything to them. But if a man who puts on a pretense as a leader and then starts talking to our other young men like he's got something to say, I'll snuff that out quicker than ugly on ape. And apes are real ugly. <laughs> I mean like yesterday, like a New York minute. So it's not my business what other people are doing. Let the, let the church be full of people coming in that need to be saved. For the first few weeks, they might be, ooh, don't, I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know. I'm not going to tell you you can't come to church for that. But you get in a prominent position and start raising your hand. This guy was in that place. And the church, the, they had, they, the eldership was too weak. And Paul saw, saw Paul stepped in and said, look. He did not say, now this brother, now this is where much of the church of modern America would be. He did not say, now this brother in the Lord is hurt because he can feel your rejection. You need to go and affirm your love for him and tell him how much you love him and how much God loves him. He needs an emotional healing. That was not his words. He didn't say bless him. He said, judge him. Turn him over to the destruction of the flesh. In other words, there comes a point. Listen, you, 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 you probably understand this, but let me reiterate it or let me say it to you. There comes a point where people can't get, they no longer can be convicted. A prayer of, a prayer of God convict that person, that, <laughs> that's way, that, that went out the window a long time ago. They're, they have no ability to be convicted. Their heart is so hardened that for you to, that's a, you can throw that prayer in the wastebasket. That doesn't even, that doesn't get to, to first base. They can't be convicted because their heart is so hardened. Only an act of God, a merciful act of God, of God stepping up and judging them is going to wake them up. There is come to evil in this nation leaders to where that only a, a God slap They can't be convicted. That guy done sat in church a long time. This person that I love, he sat under all of this. I was still teaching like this. If he was ever going to be convicted, he was going to be convicted. It took me saying, stop or leave. And he left. Okay. He did not instruct the church to pray for him. He didn't ask the church, you guys need to pray for this guy, that he would come under conviction. The man was past conviction. His heart had already been hardened. The only thing was going to change him was, of course, judgment. Let's let's also go to 1 Timothy. I'm just giving you examples now in the word of how we have to stand and how we have to pray. And the question being, going back to our, our, our last premise or question, how do we in love look at those that we oppose 
shouldn't we be blessing them or shouldn't we be praying for them or shouldn't we have a, a tender heart towards them? 1 Timothy 1.18 says this, <clears throat> excuse me again, Paul said to Timothy, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou mayest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwrecked, of whom Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. These men had, had become enemies. Now, if you study these men and look them up and follow them through whatever scripture or history you can, these men, is, these men had become enemies of the cross and were turning others away from truly following Christ. Paul did not pray that they would come under conviction. They were past conviction. You've got to understand, some people are so hardened that they're past conviction. It's an inappropriate prayer to say, God, go, he's already, he's, they've went past so many checkpoints of conviction that it's not that the Holy Spirit wouldn't try, they just couldn't, he, there's no way for him to get through anymore. They're past the point of conviction. Um, they were past the point of conviction, they had already hardened their hearts in dealing with uh, the Holy Spirit. Only judgment, Paul said, Paul didn't say, Lord, go convict Hymenaeus and Alexander. They're really teaching false doctrine. They're turning a lot of people into believing a lot of junk. Um, so, Lord, I'm asking you to just convict them by the Holy Spirit. Lord, visit them. Help them to, to every time they start teaching this horrible doctrine, Lord, just help them to, uh, I'm just praying that, Lord, that they will be convicted by it and, and that they'll just, something inside of them will cause them, no, he didn't pray any of that. He said, I'll tell you how I've dealt with this. This is how I've dealt with it. I've turned them over to Satan, to the destruction of their flesh. What does destruction of their flesh mean? It means that their body begins to, in other words, it's the taking off, it's the, uh, despite anybody that's fighting sickness, you're alive because you still have uh, an immune system and it's still fighting for you. Our immune system in the spirit is God's covering over our life. When people can walk out deliberately out of that covering through sin, and God will follow them just as far as he can. But there's another realm, and we're not ready to get into that right now, but there's another realm when you intentionally and deliberately, please, none of you try this, when you intentionally and deliberately say, I'm not only, I am making a public announcement in the, in the spiritual kingdom, Satan, this man or this woman has no longer any covering over their life. It is removed and you're free to get them. At that point, Pastor Dave used to say, I don't know what that looked like. It was probably some kind of debilitating disease. What it really boiled down to is this. Um, there's a few little ones in the back, so I'll be careful. The pleasure that he was having with that woman wasn't as wonderful as his rotting flesh. And he got to thinking, you know what? Hmm. The pleasure went out of this thing a long time ago. And I'm going to die under this disease or I'm going to be 
I need to make a decision. Hymenius and Alexander were destroying people. I don't know what exactly the destruction of their flesh looked like, but I can tell you, but God did it for their mercy as well. If you study 2 Corinthians, you do find that this man did repent. And Paul said, sufficient unto it, the justification of it was the penalty that you levied on this man. It brought him back. Now restore him. Bring him back. Hug him. Hopefully, hopefully he doesn't look at her again. <laughs> but do you understand? The body has been so, and the reason being is because a weak pulpits have not taught a discernment. Let me give you one more. Second Timothy 3 verse 1 <clears throat> says this, this know ye also, Second <clears throat> Timothy 3 verse 1, I'll give you just a second, this know also that in the last days, Paul said to Timothy, perilous times shall come. I think we're in the last days. I will say this unequivocally without any kind of reservation. I believe with all my heart that we are in the beginning of sorrows, well into the beginning of sorrows. We are in those last days. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. They have a form of godliness. It, sound, it looks like that they are in the church or part of us or keep saying dainty words. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. From such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lust. There's so much to teach here, but I've got to go on ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, those are understood to be the two magicians that withstood Moses with their rods when he went before Pharaoh. Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the truth. But look at this. To all these that were doing these things and turning the body of Christ away from truth and feeding them false narratives, he did not say, God, I pray that you will find mercy for these so the body of Christ will be. He said this, but they shall proceed no further. Their folly shall be manifest unto all men, men as theirs also, even as these men were exposed He's saying that the mercy on the church will be the exposure of falsehood. Sometimes the blessing that Christians believe that they should pray for people is in left field. The blessing that we pray is that there's an exposure of corruption. That it's absolutely seen where everybody, I mean even by anybody and everybody says, oh my God. Even people that say that they hate God. They have to acknowledge the corruption. That was the mercy of the Lord. What was going to stop these men, according to what Paul said to Timothy, was not the conviction of the Holy Spirit. These, as again, people go way past being convicted of the Holy Spirit. That's why there's judgment. Otherwise, that's the first line. The first line is to be convicted of the Holy Spirit. 
But people go way past the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Then the only alternative is judgment. They could, go, they could be no longer convicted. It was only the exposure of their corruption that would be manifest in the front of men that would stop them. Now, last scripture, and this is one of our favorites, Jude chapter 1, verse 17. <clears throat> But ye, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before the apostle of our Lord Jesus, by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you, <coughs> excuse me again, that there should be mockers in the last times who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who have, who have separated themselves, sensual, having not the spirit, but ye, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, our most sanctified faith, holy faith, how so? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference, and of others with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating the very garment spotted by the flesh. This is a time to fight folks like never before. And I'm not talking about physical fighting. I'm talking about, you. please, please, all intercessors, intercessors and everybody please hear this you're under a fight with sickness with covid with all kinds of stuff please don't stop praying even if you're sitting there if you're sitting there with a fever or you're sitting there with a cold we know that god's perfect will is that you're healed but don't stop praying mumble under your voice don't stop fighting. Don't let Christmas, don't let the holidays, don't let your children, don't let anything stop you. This hour we must birth this revival. Don't stop praying. We have to fight, 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 fight. And our fight is in the spirit. Don't get weary in well-doing. Don't get diverted. Don't say, well, I got this to do, that to do, that to do. Put prayer as your top priority. Hallelujah. Amen. This is a time we have to fight for our nation and for our freedom like never before. What are you going to do, Pastor? If, you know, I really, I love you, Pastor, but, you know, you're leading a charge into something that my friend said, it, this is over. I don't know why, you know, this is over. I, I said, okay, I didn't say anything. I just changed the subject. It's not over. Not first of all in the spirit concerning revival, we receive this revival. And then it's not over concerning our nation, concerning this election. <laughs> some of you never watched this and maybe you shouldn't. And some of you say it's one of my favorite, but I'm telling you, this is brave heart people. I'm telling you, you're on the, you're, you're, be nice. They are torturing you down to the last. Sir, Sir William Wallace. Some of you are like, <laughs> don't expose me, Pastor. Yeah, I've watched it. Okay. He's on the rack and they're disemboweling him, bowing him. And, and it looks like there's no, and they only want him just to concede. Just say it. I'm a traitor. I concede this as he's dying 
his last <gasps> freedom. <laughs> say, Pastor, that's too demonstrative in church. Listen, I'm talking about a spiritual fight. I'm talking about you fighting for your life, your spiritual life, for your nation. Fight for revival first because we can have revival without the other. But I'm telling you, God wants them both. He absolutely wants them both. And it is a time against all odds and against everything that is fighting us, both in the natural and the spiritual, to fight with everything we've got. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We will never give up and we will never give in. And we will continue to fight in the spirit by pr praying the mysteries, speaking life over this nation, and giving ourselves over to the Holy Ghost, praying the mysteries, building up ourselves on our most holy faith. We commit this morning unto you, and we commit all of these lives unto you, and we commit America unto you, and we commit our president to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that something will come in these next couple of weeks that will absolutely stop our nation in its tracks so strong that, Lord, that men may see that only God could have done what has been done. Father, we commit our nation unto you, we commit our church unto you, we commit these people unto you, and we give you all the praise and glory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless.